Well, hey there, it's Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode sermon, we are starting into a brand new series of sermons where we're going to be talking about what we can do when our plans change. Now, usually when our plans change, we don't like it very much. But in this episode sermon, I'm going to tell you why it isn't always a bad thing to have your plans changed. Because sometimes when our plans get changed, that means God has something bigger and better in store for us. So let's get right into this week's sermon. So about 10 years ago, Ashley and I decided that for our big annual vacation, we were going to take a trip to Washington, D.C. And since neither one of us had ever been to Washington, D.C. before, there were a whole lot of things that we wanted to do while we were there. So while we were there, we visited the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial. We took a tour of the Capitol Building and we stood outside of the White House. We walked around the Tidal Basin and visited all the monuments and memorials there for Thomas Jefferson and Franklin Roosevelt and Martin Luther King Jr. We spent a morning at the United States Mint in Washington and we spent an afternoon at the Holocaust Museum there. We, we visited the Smithsonian's Air and Space Museum and learned what it took for the Wright brothers to get their plane up in the air. And then we visited the American History Museum and we got to check out Dorothy's ruby red slippers from the Wizard of Oz for ourselves. We spent a rainy afternoon that week walking the National Mall and paying our respect to the memorials for the Korean War, Vietnam, and World War II. And we even made the trip over to Arlington National Cemetery to visit the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and watch the changing of the guard there. All in all, that vacation 10 years ago that Ashley and I took, it was an incredible trip. But that trip almost didn't happen. We almost missed out on that wonderful trip because of something that happened on our way to Washington, D.C. Now, at the time of this trip, Ashley and I, we were living on the other side of the state of Kentucky in Carlisle. So when we decided that we were going to visit Washington, D.C. that year, we decided that we were just going to drive to get there. It wasn't that long. We figured we could do it in less than a day and still enjoy all of the vacation. And since we took this trip back in the fall of 2009, we did what everybody else did when they planned a road trip in 2009. We got online and we went to MapQuest and we printed off the directions to get there. And for the first seven or eight hours of our drive to DC, those directions, they worked pretty well for us. They got us out of Kentucky, they got us through West Virginia and across Maryland. But things, well things got a little bit more complicated once we made it to Washington DC. Now, I don't know if you've been to D.C. or not, or if you know this about it or not, but in Washington, D.C., the the entire city is surrounded by Interstate 495, which is also known as the Capitol Beltway. And on the Capitol Beltway, there are at least four lanes of traffic that are moving in both directions all of the time. And I realized pretty quickly, once we started driving on the Beltway, that for just about every car on the road that day, the speed limit wasn't even a suggestion. It was completely disregarded. I think the posted speed on the Beltway is like 55 miles an hour. If I wasn't driving at least 80, I would have been ran off the road. That's just how fast it was moving there. And if that didn't make things stressful enough for me, I also learned that the Beltway doesn't just have exits on the right-hand side of the road. The Beltway also has exits on the left-hand side of the road. 
Do you know when I learned that lesson? Right after I went sailing by my exit that was on the left-hand side of the road. So, like I said, that incredible trip that Ashley and I took uh, that week we spent in Washington, D.C., well, it almost didn't happen. Because even though we had spent eight hours headed in the right direction, we got lost. And we weren't sure if we would ever get to where we wanted to be. And that was a pretty scary feeling. And i got to tell you, that's kind of what it feels like at our church right now. Almost two years ago, our church made that difficult decision that we needed to sell our current property and we needed to relocate. And we made this decision because we realized that the only way that we can continue to follow God's calling for us as a congregation is to do this. And since March of this year, it seemed like we were headed in the right direction. After our property had been on the market for close to a year, we had finally finalized the purchase agreement to sell the building. And slowly but surely, we've seemed to be moving in the right direction over the last six months or so. But now, in the last couple of weeks, our potential buyer has run into a snag. The contract that we had signed is in default. And all of the months that we spent working in this direction, well they haven't exactly paid off for us. And even though we're not exactly back at square one in this whole process, since we're still trying to work out this deal uh, and negotiating with another potential buyer at the same time, there are plenty of times when it feels like we're never going to get to where we want to be. And that's just when it comes to actually getting this property sold. Then there's that whole other journey on the other side of, of the sale. Where for the first time in the 60-year history of this church, we're not going to have a permanent place that we call home. So right now, things feel a little bit scary for us. So this morning, I thought it would be helpful for all of us if we heard a story about somebody else who found themselves in a similar situation to ours. So if you will, go ahead and grab your Bible, whether you've got a printed one like mine or an app on your phone, and turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And as you're finding it, let me just tell you a little bit more about the book of Acts. The book of Acts is essentially a history book, and it tells us the story of how our faith in Jesus grew and spread in the decades after Jesus' crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. And in Acts chapter 16, we're going to read about a little bump in the road in the story. So we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, and see what happens in the story. Acts 16, verse 6. Here's what it says. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the regions of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit kept them from speaking the word in the province of Asia. When they approached the province of Mysia, they tried to enter the province of Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them. Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas instead. Let's stop right here for just a minute. So in this story, the story is about the Apostle Paul. And at this point in time, the Apostle Paul is still a pretty new follower of Jesus. As a matter of fact, it was only a couple of chapters earlier, in Acts chapter 9, that Paul was on his way to Damascus, where he was going to arrest and persecute Christians there. 
But while Paul was on this journey, while he was on his way to Damascus, Jesus appeared to Paul, and everything changed for him. Almost overnight, Paul goes from persecuting the church and trying to arrest Christians to preaching the good news about who Jesus is everywhere that Paul possibly can. And that's essentially what happens between Acts chapter 9, where Paul is converted and he meets Jesus, and Acts chapter 16, the passage that we're reading today. Over the course of those seven chapters, we're told stories about how Paul goes to about a dozen different places sharing the good news of Jesus. But then things changed in the passage that we just read. For the last six chapters in Acts, Paul has known exactly where he is headed. He's had his directions down. He was able to travel to any place that he wanted to and tell other people about Jesus when he got there. And things had been going incredibly well for Paul in his journey up to this point. He had been leading people to Jesus. He had been baptizing entire households. He was starting new churches. Everything was going according to plan. But then in this passage, it all stops. And Paul could no longer go where he wanted to go. We just read it here. First, we're told that Paul wanted to go to the province of Asia, which, by the way, the province of Asia is nothing like the continent of Asia, okay? But the Holy Spirit won't let Paul go there. Next, Paul wanted to go to Bithynia, but once again, the Spirit wouldn't let him make that journey. And when Paul realizes this, I have to imagine that he felt about the same way that I felt when I was sailing by my exit on the Capitol Beltway a decade ago. When Ashley and I drove by our exit, I knew, I knew that we had, we had an incredible week ahead of us. But I didn't know how we were going to get to where we needed to be to enjoy that future. So here Paul is. He has traveled to more than a dozen cities sharing the good news of Jesus. He is seeing countless people's lives changed by the message that he brought. So Paul knows that he still has an incredible future ahead of him. He's just not sure how to continue on, how to get to where he wants to go. I believe that that's where we're at as a church this morning too. We spent 60 years in this building, and we have had the chance over these decades to do some incredible ministry in this place. We have seen countless lives have been changed by the good news of Jesus here. So we know that there is still an incredible future waiting for us on the other side of our relocation. We just don't know how to get there. We don't know how to get to where we want to be. And that brings me back to that story of our trip to Washington, D.C. So let me tell you what happened right after I missed that turn on the Capitol Beltway. Right after I missed my turn, I heard this unforgettable sound. Recalculating. 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 If you've ever owned a GPS, you have heard that sound at some point along the way. Because, of course, that is the sound of the electronic voice that was programmed into just about every single GPS device for years. And as it turns out, Ashley had bought me a GPS not too long before we made this trip. 
We just weren't entirely sure that we trusted this newfangled technology on such a big trip. So before we left the house, we made sure that we had what we knew worked, those MapQuest directions that we had all been relying on for years, and we brought the GPS along for backup. But when we missed our turn, when we didn't know how we were supposed to keep moving forward so that we could enjoy the incredible vacation that we had planned, that's when that GPS kicked in. At that moment in time, as soon as we went sailing by our exit, the 30 satellites that orbit the Earth consistently, that make up the global positioning system, they all went to work and we didn't even realize it. Through their triangulation process, my GPS knew exactly where Ashley and I were at in our car, it knew, and it knew exactly where we wanted to be. And it could use its vast information system to get us exactly where we needed to go. Well, folks, we have something that's a whole lot better than a GPS to help us navigate our way into the future as a church. And I know what I'm about to say is going to sound a little bit cheesy. I know that what I'm about to say is going to be a little bit hokey. I know that what I'm about to say is going to make you cringe. And I've become okay with it. So here it is. Instead of relying on a GPS, we get to rely on G-O-D. That's pretty bad. I do apologize for that. That's probably the worst thing I've put up on the screen as far as cheesiness goes. But it's the truth. It's the truth. Instead of relying on a GPS, we get to rely on God. We get to rely on God to lead us into the future. And when God is the one who is recalculating your future, it's going to be better than you can imagine. When God is the one who is calculating your future, it is going to be better than you can possibly imagine. And that's exactly what Paul learns in the rest of the Scripture reading for this morning. So grab your Bibles with me one more time. We're going to pick up exactly where we left off, but before we get into it, let me just remind you what just happened. Paul, up to this point, he has been traveling from city to city. He's been sharing the good news of Jesus and leading people to faith wherever he has gone. But all of a sudden, he has not been able to move forward. So Paul, Paul has needed God to recalculate his direction. Paul has needed God to recalculate his future. And that's what's going to happen in the passage that we're about to read. So we're going to pick back up in Acts chapter 16, verse 9 this time. This is what happens next. We're told, a vision of a man, a vision of a man from Macedonia came to Paul during the night. He stood there and he was urging Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. Immediately after he saw the vision, we prepared to leave for the province of Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. So when Paul needed God to recalculate his future, when Paul needed God to recalculate his future after he was no longer able to move forward in the direction that he wanted to go, that's exactly what God does. God steps in and God recalculates Paul's future. But when God recalculates Paul's future, it becomes even better than Paul ever could have imagined. And let me explain to you exactly what I mean. Now, prior to the vision that Paul receives in this passage, he has only been spreading the good news about Jesus in a pretty small area. 
He's been visiting a couple of regions that are pretty close by Israel. He hasn't traveled very far along the way. And that's exactly what Paul plans to continue to do. If you were to look up all of the places mentioned in this passage of Scripture, you're going to see that they're clustered pretty tightly together. But then in this passage, God sends Paul in a brand new direction. He sends Paul in a brand new direction, and God sends Paul to Macedonia. Now, I know, I know that when you hear the word Macedonia, that it probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you today. But when Paul heard that he was going to Macedonia, when he received this vision, that that's where God wanted him to go, Paul would have known one really, really important thing about Macedonia. Paul would have known about the most famous person to ever come from Macedonia. And the most famous person who ever came from Macedonia was none other than Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was an ancient Macedonian ruler and one of history's greatest military minds, who as the king of Macedonia and later Persia establishes the largest empire that the ancient world had ever seen. Alexander the Great's empire stretched from Greece to Egypt to Israel to India. And before his untimely death at the age of 32 years old, Alexander the Great was already planning on expanding his empire to the, to the east. And Alexander wanted to do all of this. And Paul would have known this. Alexander wanted to do all of this because Alexander had a vision that he was going to marry the east and the west together that he was going to unite the entire world under, in, under one kingdom and under one king. So when God sends Paul to Macedonia, Paul would have known that God was sending him to where it all started for Alexander. And Paul would have learned, Paul would have realized that God was sending him there for a reason. Because God wanted Paul to follow in Alexander the Great's footsteps. Paul would have known that God was sending him to Macedonia to start uniting the entire world, the East and the West together, under one kingdom, under one king. Uniting them under the kingdom of God and under the one king himself, the king of kings, God Almighty. So in that moment, when Paul receives what we commonly refer to as the Macedonian call, he goes from being an itinerant preacher who has been moving from town to town in a small area of land, sharing the good news of Jesus there. And he is called to become the most prolific missionary of the first century, if not all of history. Paul goes on to go to more places and start more churches than just about anyone else has ever done. The truth is, you and I, we wouldn't be sitting here in this room this morning if it wasn't for Paul's Macedonian call. But Paul needed a change in direction. He needed God to stop him from moving the way that he wanted to move so that God could make him move in a much bigger and greater way. Paul needed to start following God's plans and not following his own. And so do we. That's why I trust, I know, 
that God is calling our church. He is telling us that our church needs a new direction. Our church needs a change in direction. And we need to follow the plans that God is recalculating for us right now. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about this change in directions over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about how God is is recalculating the direction that we're moving in and how he's been doing this for us over the last few months. Right now, what we all need to know, what I want you to hear, is that even though our journey is being recalculated right now, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be scared that we're never going to make it to where God wants us to be. Because just like my GPS that was in that car with us 10 years ago, just like that GPS helped me find my way to that hotel in Washington, D.C., when I had no earthly idea how I was going to get there, God is leading us right now to exactly where God wants us and needs us to be. We just have to follow God's directions. We just have to go where God is sending us to go. We just have to know and trust that when God recalculates, then we're moving in the right direction. Let's pray together. God, we are so thankful for who you are. We come into this place, God, and we are just people. We have limited understandings of what's happening in the world around us, what's happening in our lives. But God, we come into this place trusting in you. You are a great God. The God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, including us. You are a God that sees all that is happening. You are a God who has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives, and for the life of our church. And God, we know. Sometimes it's hard for us to know exactly what path we need to walk down, to know exactly what way you were leading us to follow. But God, we thank you for the fact that you don't give up on us, that even when we go astray, even when we wander, that you make sure we don't get lost, that you send us back to where you want us to be. So God, our prayer for our entire church now is that you allow us to see what you are recalculating for us. Let us see the new direction you are setting before us. Let us trust you to follow where it is you send. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and thank you for listening to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I got to tell you, I love this story about Paul's plans being changed because I'm a little bit of a planner, and I got to tell you, I hate when things don't go the way that I want them to go. But this story reminds me that it's not necessarily a bad thing when plans change because God might just be doing something bigger than I ever could have imagined. I hope that you'll remember that too. Now, in our next episode, we're going to be talking about the way that we typically respond to changes and our plans and the uncertainty that comes with them. 
and that's with fear. But God tells us over and over again in the Bible that we shouldn't be afraid. So we're going to recalculate our response to uncertainty in our next episode. Now that episode will drop next Tuesday, and if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. Now before I go, I just want to tell you that just because this episode is coming to an end, I hope that you don't forget what you've heard. Your plans are going to change. Things aren't going to go the way that you want them to go. But that may not be a bad thing. So take a little bit of time and see what God is doing when your plans change. And we'll see you back here for another podcast next Tuesday.